What is your only comfort in life and death? How would you answer that question? Well, here's one answer, an answer based on the teachings of the Bible. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood, and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life, and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. That's from the Heidelberg Catechism, and it expresses the biblical hope of the Gospel. Welcome to Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff. Please join us as we spend a few minutes in God's Word, searching the Scriptures together and listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd. Here's our pastor and teacher, Wes Bradenhoff. Well, a good Friday afternoon to you. Welcome to another edition of Gospel Talk. As always, I'm glad that you've joined me as we continue our survey of basic biblical teachings, basic Christian doctrine. And all of this week, we've been considering the doctrine of the church, what the Bible says about the church. And we've seen, for instance, that there are three marks of a true church. If you're going to be looking for a church to which you're going to be committed and become a member, as the Bible teaches you should be, then you need to look for a church where there's a true preaching of the gospel, a pure administration of the sacraments, and then finally, a faithful exercise of church discipline. And then yesterday, we were considering considering biblical church government. We considered offices in the church. We talked about the offices of Jesus Christ, that he is a prophet, priest, and king, and that all Christians share that office of Jesus Christ. So all Christians are prophets called to confess his name. All Christians are priests called to offer themselves as living sacrifices of thankfulness. And all Christians are kings called to fight against sin in this life and hereafter reign with Christ eternally. So those are the, the, the general offices in the church today. And then there are also the special offices of elder and deacon. The elder, the office of elder can also be broken down further into ruling elders and teaching elders. But then we, we basically have those two offices. And through those offices, Jesus Christ rules his church today. Well, a moment ago, I mentioned that one of the marks of a true church is the administration of the sacraments. I think it's worth our while as we go through this survey of basic Christian doctrine to give a little bit more attention to this whole subject of the sacraments. What are sacraments? And I realize that right away when I say that word sacrament, some people are kind of lost and confused. They, they don't often hear that word anymore. In fact, for many people, the word sacrament is associated again, with the Roman Catholic Church. They can't take that word away from the context of the Roman Catholic Church. And so that word kind of gets painted dark. That's unfortunate because the word sacrament, just like I, I said a couple of days ago, the word Trinity, the word uh, Catholic, those are good words. They, they have a biblical content. And just because the Roman Catholic Church uses it doesn't mean that it's inappropriate for Christians to use it. Well, let me explain, first of all, what a sacrament is. You know, in Hebrews 4.11, the Apostle Paul is writing about Abraham and about his circumcision. 
And he says, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. That's Romans 4.11. Now, early on, Christians were looking for a word that would encompass both those elements of sign and seal. And they came across a Latin word, sacramentum, that seemed to do exactly that. A word that was taken from uh, the Roman world, from uh, the, the world of military warfare, actually. Uh, it was a, a sign and a seal that was used by the, by the military. So sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals. Now, when we talk about a sign, we have to be clear about what a sign is. A sign points us to something else. So for instance, if you see a sign that says Vancouver, 50 kilometers, 50 miles, whatever, nobody would go to that sign and say, well, here's Vancouver. They would say, no, that's a sign. It's pointing us to Vancouver. And so the, in, the, in the same way, sacraments are not the things themselves. They are pointing beyond themselves to something else. So for instance, here in Romans 4.11, Abraham received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith. So his circumcision was pointing away from what was happening in that little operation to something bigger, to bigger truths. And so it is today also with the sacraments. So the sacraments are signs. They are also seals, which means that they are guarantees, which means that they seal something. They give us God's word. Now, right away, when we talk about sacraments in these terms, that right away sets a different tone from the way many people think about the things that we commonly identify as being sacraments. When we're talking here about the Lord's Supper and we're talking about baptism, for many people today, baptism is not about God signing and sealing something to us. Instead, baptism, for instance, is about us making some kind of confession of faith to the people around us and to, to God. It's about what we are doing rather than about what God is doing. But from the biblical perspective, sacraments are signs and seals instituted by God so that through them, he might more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. So through these sacraments, God is communicating to us the gospel. He's giving us, you could say, a visible proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. What's the promise of the gospel? Well, it's that God graciously grants us forgiveness of sins. He gives us everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. That is the promise of the gospel. That's what the word that is preached should point to. That's what the sacraments, as they are administered, also point to. So both the word, the preached word, and also the, the written word of God, they are intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, the only ground for our salvation. And so what the Holy Spirit is doing us is he's using the word, he's teaching us in the word through the gospel, and then he comes along with the sacraments, and then he assures us with those sacraments. He confirms our faith. He strengthens our faith in Jesus Christ, reminding us, making us more confident and absolutely sure 
that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross of Golgotha. Then we come to the, to the next question about how many sacraments there are in the New Testament. How many sacraments has Christ, in fact, instituted? You know, through the history of the church, there have been different answers to that question. You may know that the, the Roman Catholic Church has seven sacraments. And over top of that, they've got dozens, if not hundreds, of things they called sacramentals, things that are quasi-sacrament or quasi-sacraments. Besides that, there are, you'll find other churches that have foot washing as a sort of sacrament, although I think they're probably more likely called an ordinance, something that has been ordained by Jesus Christ. That's another issue. But commonly, we recognize two sacraments instituted by Jesus Christ in the New Testament. The first, of course, is holy baptism. And the passage that we commonly refer to when we, we talk about that is Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. That's where we find what's called the, the Great Commission. But that's also where we find Jesus Christ commanding his disciples to baptize. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And here it is, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Baptizing, commanded by Jesus Christ. I think everyone can agree with that, whether you're a Roman Catholic or whether you're a Protestant, doesn't matter. Everyone agrees that baptism has been instituted by Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Likewise, everyone also agrees that another sacrament has been instituted by Jesus Christ, and that's the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, Holy Supper. 1 Corinthians 11 is one of the classic passages referred to, although we also find it um, apparent in the, in the Gospels as well. And Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper... He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, the understanding is that the church is going to be doing that on a regular basis. So there, there are these two sacraments, these two Things that have been given by Jesus Christ as signs and seals of God's promises, the promises of the gospel. So whenever we talk about baptism, we talk about the Lord's Supper, we always have to remember that they are pointing away from themselves. They are pointing to the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us on the cross. Well, let's begin talking about baptism then and how that's connected to the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Well, how does baptism sign and seal the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross and how that benefits us? Well, Christ gave this outward washing. That's basically what baptism is. Baptism is a washing with water. And biblically speaking, it doesn't really matter whether it's immersion or whether it's sprinkling. It can be both. It has been both throughout the, the history of the church as well. 
as long as it's washing with water, with pure normal water, that's the, the important thing that's there in the administration of baptism. Christ gave that, and with it he gave the promise that just as water washes away dirt from the body, so certainly the blood and the spirit of Jesus Christ wash away the impurity of our souls, that is, all our sins. So we are washed with the water of baptism, and that points to the washing of our souls through the blood and through the spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, again, we have to be clear that baptism itself does not do this. Baptism itself does not wash away sin. There are those who teach that. The Roman Catholic Church, for instance, teaches that baptism washes away original sin. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. Baptism is a sign and seal of the washing away of our blood, away of our sins through the blood and the spirit of Jesus Christ. These things are signs. They are pointing away to the reality of what is promised. Well, that's just scratching the surface. We're going to continue with this on Monday. I hope you'll uh, join me again then. Till then, may God bless you richly in every way. We're glad you joined us today on Gospel Talk with our host, Pastor Wes Bradenhoff. This program comes to you today through the generous support of the Willoughby Heights Canadian Reformed Church in Langley. The Willoughby Heights Canadian Reformed Church worships each Sunday at 10 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. And we always welcome visitors. You can find us in Langley at 7949-202-A Street. Again, that's 7949-202-A Street in Langley. You can also find the Willoughby Heights Church online at www.whcanrc.com. That's www.whcanrc.com. You can also call us toll-free at 1-866-288-1087. Again, that number, 1-866-288-1087. Or email us at gospeltalk at hotmail.com. That's gospeltalk, all one word, at hotmail.com. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. This has been Gospel Talk with Pastor Wes Bradenhoff.